Here is an interesting new development in the AI scenario. Artificial intelligence, uh, this develops uh, on a daily basis, the changes and the discoveries in this. The headline from Axios.com, OpenAI CEO in historic move calls for regulation before Congress. Never in the history of mankind, I don't think, or in the history of this Congress, whatever they are anymore, has anybody gone in and said, please regulate us. We're out of control. <laughs> that, that doesn't happen. That isn't how this works. They don't want regulations. And that's why things run hog wild. And there are banking regulations. There are regulations on a number of things to keep them under control. And they have some boundaries and some borders. Lawmakers aired fears on Tuesday about the possible misuse of AI as they peppered OpenAI CEO Sam Altman with questions as he repeatedly said he would welcome legislation in this space, in his space. This guy is the CEO of this entire thing. Uh, they, uh, this, uh, their thing, ChatGPT, is what sparked the newest AI craze. The likelihood that lawmakers will unite and act on AI regulation before the technology rapidly develops remains slim. And I would add, it seems like this ship has sailed. As usual, they're way behind on this one, but it moves so fast that nobody took it seriously. It's just one more little techie thing. Well, not really. Altman appeared before this Senate subcommittee along with IBM Chief Privacy Officer, uh, her, her name it doesn't really matter, and an NYU professor. So you've got the head of this thing and the IBM uh, head of privacy in a committee with the Senate to discuss, please slow us down. It's unbelievable. Yeah. Uh, he testified to Congress uh, two weeks after his appearance at a White House AI summit. Uh, he was thoughtful and exacting in his response to, to these senators, even when members got a little combative, which is just how these a-holes work. He tried to explain the balance between how ChatGPT works and why OpenAI has released all of it for public use in partnership with Microsoft and urged Congress to work with companies like his to figure out rules and guardrails. Once again, companies don't do this. They don't want the government in their business. In this case, they are exhibiting paranoia and fear that it's already out of control. Hence his quote, My worst fear is that we cause big harm to the world. End quote. Unbelievable. Uh, what the people up there said. This is your chance, folks, to tell us how to get this right. Please use it, said Senator John Kennedy from Louisiana. Talk in plain English and tell us what rules to implement. Okay. Yeah. Uh, uh, a number of members of Congress didn't take early action on social media regulation, a mistake they're determined not to repeat with AI. If they're determined, why did they uh, not do something before this dude came in to say, please make us stop? 
The yeah. result of this so far is internet problems like predators, toxic content, exploiting children, dangers for kids, blah, blah, blah. Congress failed to meet the moment on social media. Now we have obligations to do so on the AI before the threats and the risks become real. Senator Blumenthal made that comment, bro, it's already uh, real. <laughs> yeah. um, a few lawmakers pressed this guy how he thinks systems like ChatGPT should be considered liable for harm. Really? So, as usual, these people are so entirely out of touch. Here is a guy that uh, was one of the inventors, the, the you know, brains behind putting brains in robots, if you will, and they don't know what the hell it is. And uh, Senator Dick Durbin, Illinois, called it historic that a company was coming to Congress pleading for regulation. So uh, the, here are some of the big concerns briefly about what they're worried AI could interfere with. Election misinformation. Really? Yeah. Job sure, disruption. I guess. Ooh. Weaknesses in non-English languages. Copyright and licensing. Dangerous and harmful content. Impersonation of public and private figures. That's already underway. Mm -hmm. Well, I said before, the ship has already sailed. This cannot be the era of move fast and break things, said the head of the IBM uh, Privacy and Security Department. Uh, what's next? Congress will continue to have hearings on AI. Oh, good. Let's have some more assholes talking out of their asshole about things they have no idea about. They're going to look at it again in July, and by that time, we should all be dead. Thanks <laughs> to AI. Gonna say, I was going to say. So y'all take your time, because we're all good. There's no rush. But it it really is a it's a blur as to our first mention of this last fall and this is the middle part of may and here's how quickly this thing has it's headed towards you know scorched earth it is out of control and unstoppable yeah what is your you story know, have? what go ahead Wes. no i've got a yeah a story related to this that you were throwing it to the headline here is ai is speeding up astronomical discoveries so here's something that is a counter because it's on the good column of what AI can do. Because right. at the end of the it, it's a tool. So how it gets used is not always up to it. But in this case, it has been used. It's actually some form, primitive forms of AI I, I learned in this story have been used for about 30 years now. The first okay. people uh, in were some of the first people were at the University of Arizona. They used a, says a type of AI called a neural network to study the images of galaxies. The uh, long and short of it is there are real powerful telescopes on the planet and there are two really powerful ones up in space and they're getting a whole lot of information and it's the 99% uh, of the pixels that come in to be studied have background radiation they have light from other sources the are just blackness only at like 1% have any sort of subtle shapes that might mean something and what they can what the astronomers can do with ai is feed them these pictures and they can run through them a lot faster than people can to pick up the patterns that have been established of this kind of pattern means 
we should look closer over here, there might be a galaxy. Or uh, planets, exoplanets are de often detected just by noticing changes in the light of a particular star or how radiation changes in some way. So mm -hmm. those are patterns that can be picked up by AI and they can just move through this stuff so much faster and flag things for human astronomers who can take a closer look and can speculate and move beyond just raw information to take a closer look at or to focus their the telescopes on there for a little bit longer to get more information. There's, it doesn't really affect the common man and the things going on now with AI. It's a great tool to have, but well, it sure. doesn't seem to be yeah, yeah. as but, applicable to the uh, you know semi-panic uh, that, that that is happening among those that that invented this this I, damn thing. I, I I don't disagree with that, but this is this is one of these steps. You know, Galileo discovering that moons orbited Jupiter did not affect the common man five hundred years ago either. Yeah, but it's yeah. made a big difference to our lives. Uh, well, okay. Well, what's it? Yeah, you know, it's just. And again, with with people trying to turn in papers written by AI, Chris texted, my daughter just graduated with a master's in creative writing from a large Mid-South university. As a graduate assistant, she taught freshman English and a junior level creative writing class. Both classes had students who attempted to hand in work that existing software called turnitin.com flagged as 100% AI generated. Oh, the man. university is scrambling to get a policy in place. I expect cheating out of freshmen, but was really disappointed that a junior who signed up for a creative writing class would use AI. And uh, she says, "Tell uh, West if that if that is one example of one young person mm -hmm. in a university doing that. Imagine how many people and how many colleges across America and high schools mm -hmm. are going to do the very same thing. Lawyers like Lawyer Bill, who's coming up here in a few moments, are already doing it." As I said before, the same tired cliche, the ship has sailed, yeah. and there's no way to rein this back in. That's the part that's scary about it. And the dude went to Congress to ask them to help, like the government <laughs> knows how to do anything. <laughs> At least On a side note, just going. as a microcosmic observation, the post office in South Haven is a post office. And, you know, there's a place that you go to drive through to put stuff in the mailboxes right everybody has one yes they so had knows. four mailboxes and you open your car window you reach out and you push it in the thing and you move along with your life i went in there a couple of weeks ago i can't recall what and i rolled up there and my my mouth fell open um with shock and awe at the stu they have removed all but two those two now face each other and you can't put anything in them from your car <laughs> what kind you of to, freaking you have to get you have to get out of your car to put it in the mailbox did you get a and picture of this i want a picture yeah of this. I, me too i i really should have but i swear <laughs> to god i thought who made this decision did louis DeJoy do this by himself just to be a jerk there are two mailboxes that you can't reach from your car, which is what the drive-through is there for. But now back to the real world. Um, these guys thinking that these people in Congress, many of them uh, too old, to, they they don't even they don't even know what any of this stuff means, and he's asking them for help, 
and they're going to put their heads together and hang out again uh, in July and see if anything is still left to discuss. It's just, I don't know why we worry about anything, because we're going to all be blown to pieces anyway, any day soon. So uh, this one, along with the technology wrap, this one is, I haven't seen it in any major news outlet. I got this from, uh, I don't know, the uh, Daily Mail in the UK. Apple's next major product is, quote, so good, expert claims, we could get a glimpse of it within a few weeks. Now, dig what this is. It is an Apple um, VR product that suggests it'll live up to all the hype and make the iPhone pretty much irrelevant. The Apple headset will be out in June before the big release in September. Here's what is known about it. It is mere weeks away from launching. The early review uh, is glowing. This kid named Palmer Lucky, a 30-year-old American entrepreneur and founder of the Oculus VR platform, has seen and mm-hmm. tried the device. Wes may know this. This is the kid who sold his firm Oculus to Meta and uh, Zuckerberg for $3 billion in 2014 when he was 21 years old. He simply said in a tweet on Sunday, like, you know, the Apple headset is so good, like, end quote. (laughs) He was blown away by this thing. Details are scarce. It's believed it will display notifications, messages, directions, and more right in front of the wearer's eyes. It's not known how he got a hold of it, but he did, and he tweeted, the Apple headset is so good, like, you know, really, totally. And uh, information is a bit scarce. He devised a headset himself called Nerve Gear that destroys the brain of the user when they die in a virtual game. That sounds far out. Um, Apple has made no acknowledgement of the upcoming device. Hmm. Now, first of all, how many people are going to put down their iPhone to wear this thing um, while they're driving or at work? Um, I don't know This is if this is a logical next step. I, I have... Just based solely on what you just said, because I haven't seen this anywhere, I don't see how this is going to replace the iPhone because the helmet, the headset, it's not really much of a burden to wear, but it's not a thing that you would want to wear all the time. You certainly couldn't drive with it. uh, You couldn't do yard work with it like you can with your phone in your pocket. Uh, And if when I'm in my... Uh, wearing my Oculus headset and I'm in a game someplace doing things, the last thing I want is some pop-up notification that some dickhead is texting me to ask what time I'm going to go get dinner or come by or whatever else. (laughs) The only value that I see in this is that we're heading toward a time when, you know, most of us should probably be wearing a helmet all the time for our own safety (laughs) and protection. Well, there's There's that. that. Like little kids, you know, that are kind of touched that need helmets on. Um, we probably all should have one on, and this may be the answer. You're always on your phone, and you can play games and not hurt your head when you fall down because you can't see what the fuck you're doing. So um, I just shake my head, as I am right now, constantly at the things I read, that all appear to be legitimate, true, and on the cusp of being real. 
it does it does make you wonder. And then uh, our friend lawyer Bill is going to join us here in a moment and uh, discuss a number of things I have kept for him to talk about uh, and some stories that are local that we have we covered it yesterday, but uh, it's worthy of note again. Uh, but before we get into that, let's just uh, look at one incredible move by somebody who was remarkably intoxicated we've all been drunk but damn mm-hmm. this one is awesome um i guess it's a pretty common trick if you're driving and you're all jacked up but your passenger is not as drunk as you are when you get pulled over by the police you make an attempt to change seats like of course the police can't see you do that <laughs> right. right um they're watching every move you make the moment they stop you to see if you're putting on your seatbelt, if you're hiding your gun under this you know, under the seat. This dude, uh, this is in uh, Colorado. They have a picture. Um, this is not the one from the car. An alleged drunk driver, alleged and uh, tried to avoid arrest by putting his dog in the driver's seat <laughs> as the police walked up to check on his drunk ass. They were not fooled. The police officer who charged the guy going 52 in a 30 zone before midnight over the weekend watched the entire process as the guy attempted to switch places with his dog who was in the passenger seat. The man who showed clear signs of intoxication then exited the passenger side of the car and claimed he was not driving, the dog was. But hey. if he'd been drinking, he be, he he then made the obvious move. He ran from the police. Oh, good job! Oh, that's he yeah. made it twenty yards before he was nabbed, according to police, who learned of two active warrants for his arrest. The dog had none they could find. Uh, the dog's a good boy. He's a good boy, <laughs> and the dog wasn't drunk, and he didn't know no better, and. Uh, uh, the police were amused by the entire thing, and people on social media are urging police to release body cam footage from the scene because everybody wants to see it. Oh, I'd love to. It's oh, like it's like that old Far Side cartoon where a guy is pulled over. He's in the passenger seat. The dog is driving, and the officer is writing him a ticket. The guy is defending himself from the passenger seat, saying, "Hey, look! I, I first of all, I'm not crazy. He can drive okay, but never once am I letting go of this leash." <laughs> well, this I mean, you got to be pretty out of your mind to even try that. And on this note, uh, and we'll bring in our buddy lawyer, Bill, uh, this is an interesting thing. I I have never bought into the concept, and I guess that, that change is difficult for people depending upon their age and their life experience. And some things that, uh, that change are, are great. Uh, some that, we, that don't change, we fight. I do, I do not uh, foresee in our lifetime electric cars becoming a dominant and prominent thing on the roads. Um, I, I just don't believe it. For example, to, uh, on a tangent, I talked to a guy yesterday um, at a nursery, not where babies are, where plants are. Right. And he right. said, man, where have y'all been? And I said, well, we're on the internet. And he said, well, I'm old fashioned. I don't, I don't know how any of that works. Said, well, that's a good sign. Um, and so I wonder if if that little uh, that little you know tidbit of info as to 
how uninclined or disinclined people are to do this. Gas-powered cars, the headline says, won't die off anytime soon. The average age of U.S. vehicles by type. Uh, cars. The average age of, of, of cars is 14 years. Okay. Um, light trucks has gone up uh, substantially since 03. Uh, and what this, uh, the basic thing here is, is that people are keeping their cars longer than ever. Good news for repair shops. Sure. But bad yeah, news for that. anybody expecting a rapid phase out of gas-powered cars. It's just not going to happen. Uh, it may in big cities. Uh, it may in L.A. or New, well, not well. I don't know why they didn't even bother in New York, where nobody has a car anyway. Uh, but Seattle or Chicago or Dallas, Fort Worth, uh, the longer folks hold on to their internal combustion cars, longer it will take to replace those cars with newer, more environmentally, uh, you know, uh, just th that kind of car. Right. So. The entire point is, uh, two decades ago, the average age of someone's car was 9.7 years old. And looking at this chart here, now it's uh, up to 14 years. Now, I, um, my wife's Jeep is 20-something. It's an 01. My older truck is an 05. And they both run well because they have been well-maintained. Right. Yeah. That's why we tell you all the time about Allen's Automotive and about having your oil changed, your tires rotated, your and all your filters, all your fluids checked. Um, that's what keeps your car running. Unless you want to go out and buy a new car every year, and some people do for their. That's why you need Allen and people like this to maintenance your vehicle. It makes them last, and if you don't, it makes them fall apart. Not having your oil changed will destroy a car. Um, and all the things that go into the servicing of a vehicle. Alan does that uh, to, with cars all week, every week, and he does the bigger jobs as well. So uh, if you're overlooking your oil changing and your general service, you're making a mistake. Alan's Automotive, he is on uh, uh, its Winfield, South Haven, White Haven, and you can find him on Facebook, the internet, uh, the internet, uh, his own site, and his phone number, 332-3279 to make an appointment. So get to him. He'll be, he's going to be off for a few weeks uh, after next week. So if you need some servicing done before a summer trip, he's your dude to talk to. So let Alan know, and he will uh, set you up. But that right there is a sign. Oh, Cars yeah. cost a lot of damn money. Mm -hmm. I bought one six years ago, and what I paid for it at the time blew my mind, but it was a... An expense for my business, and uh, th that that all worked out. Uh, but a lot of folks can't afford to do that, and yeah. I couldn't either. But I did it anyway because <laughs> it was a it was a tax thing. So right. that was pretty good. So yeah. Anyway, service your damn car, man. Absolutely. Yeah. And the the reason people are one of the reasons people are hanging on to their cars longer is because when the uh, epi the pandemic happened. And new cars were not being made like they were. The market for used cars started going up, and they got priced out of you know, easy reach. It used to be oh, you could gosh, you yes. know, go get a yeah. used car for under ten grand. You could get a good car that just didn't exactly. belong to someone else. Not anymore. So people've uh -huh. got to hang on to these things until it all evens out again. 
and yeah. and they will. And you know, EVs are great, but you're right; they're not going to take over. One of the things that's missing is a dependable nationwide network of charging stations. Yeah, they've right. got to be as common as gas stations before the EVs are going to have a reasonable chance of being the default vehicle as opposed to gas powered. This last sentence here, I think, is also a bit off off the mark. It says it'll likely take until at least 2050. That is 27 years away. I mean, I was uh, and thinking... possibly longer before most gas-powered cars are off the road. They're dreaming. Gas-powered cars are not going to be off the road in 23 years. It's not going to happen. Uh, it's just not. So, no, what's I mean, it? Yeah. No, not completely, but... And I was going to say... It, Last year, or during COVID, you couldn't find, well, I guess last year, you could not go and take a test drive of exactly what you wanted and buy it. You had to order it. The, the, nobody had cars if it was something new. But we are in a, one of the, we're one of those families, we're keeping a car because somebody is about to be learning how to drive. So that 04, my late mom's 04 Camry is going to be that. And then we're driving an 07 FJ, which is in fine condition too, because yes, you take care of them and they last. No, we have two old ones and one new one, and and mm-hmm. and this new one, uh, in quotes, is six years old, but it looks brand new still, and it runs, you know, great. So, we have three, and two of them are extremely old, but because they've been taken care of by Alan, they still work just fine. And I drive this old truck a lot. It needs some interior work and some seat covers, but that's not any big deal. Uh, but you don't need that added expense, I'm guessing, right now. So um, use your brain for a change. And I want to mention uh, our new sponsors, uh, good people. Uh, the tap room for Hook Point Brewing is over on Brookhaven Circle. Hook Point uh, is a place where they brew all kind of draft beer out in Cairoville. Well, they have moved over their new place to Brookhaven Circle. The ready room is the brew pub. Right? That's where you yes. can go in there and eat lunch Wednesday uh, through Sunday. And the, it's uh, fantastic food. This is not the usual kind of kind of greasy bar food. We had some of it, and it was extremely good. So it is right beside the bar where you can you know pull up your chair and uh, taste all you want to. They, they, they offer, uh, you know, flights of beer, which I guess means, you know, three or four different kinds in smaller glasses mm-hmm. so of the 13 taps you can taste them uh and see which one is more uh appropriate for your palate but uh it's a top of the line operation these guys are way into this and they have worked on it for a long time uh, uh it's just um a a classy joint and they have really strong craft beers i'm no expert on craft beer one of them um uh, calories about 97 and two carbs up to one that is like 10 point something percent alcohol so depending upon your taste and your palate and how much you can take go and see them the ready room and hook point brewing together on brookhaven circle on the west side there and uh, fantastic food great sandwiches and appetizers and the beer and tvs and the good vibe uh, that exists in this place for after work or for lunch or a weekend gathering. See more at hookpointbrewing.com. Thank you, Mike. Thank you, Mark. Good people doing uh, a really uh, nice piece of work here. 
well, all these brew pubs and this all this you know craft beer is a big deal, and they are doing it right with um, the right kind of ingredients and the approach. And you can go see them and find out for yourself. Thank you guys. Hook Point Brewing, the Ready Room on West Brookhaven Circle. Our friend Bill Jones, the Jones Law Firm, joins us on Thursdays to discuss various and sundry issues. Some of them involve the law, some of them involve our lives, and sometimes we just complain to each other about whatever is going on. Uh, the Jones Law Firm, now in Clark Tower, on Poplar Avenue, and uh, William can be contacted via the internet. His email address is, um, what is Bill it? At, it's Bill at MidSouthDivorce.com. The website's uh, LawyerBill.com. All right, and uh, so there we go. Uh, I had a story a minute ago about... And the police are uh, chuckling uh, and asking, well, this guy was pulled over in Colorado. He tried to avoid arrest by putting his dog in the driver's seat as he hopped over to the other seat, making it appear that, 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 that the dog was the one that was speeding 22 over the limit and the dog was not drunk. He was, he ran. That's a mistake. A couple of weeks ago on your podcast that you do with your brother Scott, you are discussing uh, in each of these podcasts various amendments to the Constitution, and the fourth one involves the um, details, the rules, um, what you Un do not do when, yeah. when stopped by the police. Yeah, so um, the Fourth Amendment talks about unreasonable searches and seizures by the government. Um, what we did in, in our podcast was we covered that, and we, we also talked about what you should do and what you shouldn't do yeah. if you get pulled over by the police. Should most people have a grasp of this by now? or? Well, one, what kind of what made us talk about it is social media. You see these social justice warriors that are walking around police stations and up, up in them with a camera and saying, you know, this is public property. I know my rights. You've got guys... Uh, refusing to roll their windows down when the cops pull them over, and it's like I know my rights. So Scott and I kind of wanted to talk about what 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 are your rights? Uh, yeah. What what can you do? Um, because I I don't want you to see a TikTok video or a Facebook video and think this is how I'm going to act when I get pulled over by the police, unless it's lawful for you to do that. So that kind of right, let me just made let me just offer this. Um, as what I would think as a driver, and I have done it before, if you're pulled over, um, you get off to the right as best you can because they usually won't stop you to the left. Um, in heavy traffic, it's they probably won't even stop you at all. Uh, but the first thing you do, well, I keep my insurance card in the visor above me because they're watching every move you make from the stop. And I get my wallet uh, up in the air, pull the license out and the insurance card, hands on the wheel, and be still. That sounds the proper move. That's that's a good step. So what, what we did was we talked to, uh, I talked to no less than uh, five or six officers and and walked them through what would your perfect dream ideal stop look like. So you're, you're close. The first thing that you're going to do when, when you see those sirens come on behind you is hit your flashing lights. 
uh, hit okay. your, your hazard lights. So that way the cop understands I and I acknowledge that you're behind me and that you're about to stop me. I'm right. not running. Um, you're going to decrease your speed by 10 to 15 miles an hour immediately until you can find a safe place to pull over because that lets them know you're not running. Um, when you pull over, all the officers I talked to said the best way to get a warning ticket is to pull over into a safe area where yep. when the officer has to get out of the car, mm-hmm. um, you know, he's he's not endangering his own life. If you're if you're so if you're putting on your flashers and you've got to drive, you know, a little bit further to make sure you're in a, a safe spot, the officer's not going to be as ticked off. Mm-hmm. Um same deal. When once you once you're at a stop, you're going to get your uh, license. You're going to get your insurance card. You're going to roll down all four windows hmm. if it's not raining. Um, the reason reason being is the when the officer approaches the vehicle, if you've got ten or not, he's going to know that there's nobody in the back seat, so he's not worried about that. Hmm. And when he sees your hands on the wheel at ten and two with all the windows down. He's going to know I'm going home to my wife and kids at the end of my shift. So he's going to be a little bit more relaxed and breathing easier too. So this is, this is advice that I'm giving you. If you've done nothing wrong, if maybe you're five, 10, 15, 20 miles over the speed limit, you know, you're getting a ticket. You're just going to take your lumps like a a man. You're not, as the kids say, riding around dirty. Uh, you, you don't have drugs or anything on you. I'm just saying if, if you get pulled over and and you're trying your best to get a warning ticket, these are the tips that I would give you. That's um, pretty basic and not that challenging. Yeah, I didn't think about the windows down, but, but Drake, also, you know, you know this because you're smart and you're not trying to play the system like probably some people are. Or to hide something, like or a Christmas tree smell that is wafting from your back exactly. seat with two bales of weed. Exactly. Yeah. Now, if, oh, if you want to talk about that, listen to this week's podcast where we talk about riding around with the dank in your car. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's, but that's a different podcast. As far as, as, far One as, word, Febreze. All right, go ahead. <laughs> as far <laughs> as it goes, what you're, what you're trying to do is put the officer at ease um, and, and make them feel comfortable you're not going to give any excuses. You're not going to, you know, it's just, do you know what you did? Well, I assume that you had probable cause. You've pulled me over. You don't have to answer anything else. But these folks that don't roll down their windows, you don't have to. Legally, legally what the law says is you have to have it low enough for you to be able to converse with them. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's, you know. You can argue how how far that is. So you can be that guy and be a jerk uh, and say, I refuse to roll my window down or answer questions or anything. Doesn't like that, that raise suspicions from the officer immediately? Well, it, it, it's not justification for anything, but if, yeah, it would, it would to me if I was an officer. Uh, because those guys are walking up to, they have no idea what they're about to get into. And how many stories do we see every year about cops that were shot in the face by somebody and they take off? Um, they have to be a little bit concerned about what they're walking up on. Now, there are some occasions, I don't know what, if it's a state thing or if, that they walk up to the passenger side. 
maybe to avoid or to see what somebody is doing with their hands from a, a farther away point. It, it, that, that's one of those things. It, it's going to depend upon how you pull over and whether you leave them in a good spot or a bad spot. Now, if they've got a, if they've got a partner on scene, the partner will generally approach from that other side. Um, you know, they'll, they'll both, uh, you know, thumbprint themselves on the back of the car. You'll see that the officers touch the back of the car to, to put their fingerprints on there. So in case somebody does, you know, do something, we know that that's the car that the officer had stopped. Yeah. Um, one will approach from the other side. Um, if there's a passenger in the car, the passenger can ask, can, can I, the passenger does not have to show any form of ID and the passenger, what if they ask for it? The you want to argue with them? Then? Passenger doesn't have to show it. I mean, they can, but there's no need to. Uh, a passenger can say, "Am I am I under arrest? Am I being detained?" And if not, they can get out of the car and walk wherever they want. But but don't doesn't every little thing that isn't that um, is argumentative make suspicions rise and make this more problematic? If these guys had a bad day and. Um, it it does, and that's why we're talking about. That's why we're talking about. You've done something. You know you've done something. Take your looks like a man. This is your best shot of trying to get a warning ticket. Is if you're if you cooperate, if you're doing everything right, um, this is your best chance of getting a warning ticket. It it's what works for me. Okay, um, but so wait, if so, if you go got something going on. If, mm-hmm. if you got something going on in your car, um, then yeah, you may want to answer as few de- questions as you can. You may not want to roll down your your window. If they ask you if you you know if you've been smoking, you're going to say no. Um, Drinking. And, and you're not going to agree to a search of your vehicle. You're not going to give them more evidence than what they already have. Well, now that's that to me is where the where this goes to the next level. If you do all the things that you just said, uh, windows down after you put your blinkers on, you pull over in a safe place, all the windows go down, you're, uh, you have your insurance and your license out, you are, you, you aren't a wise ass, you don't contest this. Um, somebody in the other seat, if the officer asks them for the license, they can just say no without being an asshole, I guess. But then, at at what point do you encourage an officer who's uh, on the edge anyway to uh, request to search your car and then what do you do what is due cause to get you out of the car to search your vehicle well so if there's they can be sneaky it's not to get you out of your vehicle to search your vehicle but an office if an officer asks you to exit your vehicle you have to uh, that's why the rolling down your window a little bit looks insane to me if an officer yeah yeah, well if you pull into a a place how an officer can ask you to exit the vehicle is saying we think that you're in an unsafe area or location for your safety my safety exit the vehicle and we're going to come over here and talk um and that's a that's a lawful request from a peace officer and you you've got to comply with that um what you don't have to is we go back to another constitutional right against self-incrimination. Um, if, if the officer starts asking you to do field sobriety or breathalyzer tests, that that's when you say no. 
Uh, that's when you, you say always no. say no to that. Why Even would if you're you, obviously if, if you're up. at if you're at the point um, if you're at the point where they are going to ask you to do field sobriety test or a breathalyzer test, yeah. they have made the decision that you're being arrested. They they don't take you don't take these tests and and they go well you passed have a good day. What they're what they're yeah. doing is trying to get more evidence to use against you. So why would you give that to them? So you um, always refuse to blow into anything or to do the alphabet backward, or the blood test or any of it. You you you're gonna you're gonna make them fight for everything that they're gonna they're gonna try and get out of you. If so, that is that so. Spot. The word "fight" there uh, is being invoked for the first time. So uh, it is appropriate to get uh, combative, uh, not combative, but uh, politely say no if any of this stuff comes up. Look, so I've, what's I've, the end result of that I've, one? You're in well, the back seat of a squad car? You're in the back seat of a squad car, and when you are, they're going to talk to you. And if if you've you know been a client of mine for a while, and if you're if you just want one, stop by the office. I got a mountain of them. You pull out your lawyer bill keychain, and it says, my lawyer has told me not to talk to anybody about my case, not to answer your questions, and not to reply to any of your accusations. Call my lawyer if you want to ask me questions. If you want to search my property, do any tests, any lineups, or any ID procedures. I don't agree to any of these things without my lawyer present, and I don't waive any of my constitutional rights. If you just hand That's that to the officer. That's all on your keychain? That's a big-ass keychain. It, it is. I'll send you a photo of it. It, it goes on your keychain. That's key awesome, chain, though. Yeah. And I have had clients over the years that have just handed the keychain. They've just torn it off of their keychain and handed it to the officer. And yeah, how'd like, that go over? Here, here. Uh, neither one of them got charged with DUI. Uh, so I mean, sell those things, Jesus. That's a Bill Jones merch right there. God, you're missing a great opportunity. Well, this is from back in the in the barbecue fest days. These would go like hotcakes out when I was, you know, young and down there uh, at the booth, c- cooking at the booth this week. But uh, I, I don't do that anymore. I just well, that, eat it. That's now. a really really smart thing to have, though. My gosh. Yeah. All right. Well, so. Uh, once they talk to you in the back seat of the car and you play dumb and you're still polite and not so, an a-hole. So, well, let's walk through it a little bit more. Um, so when they put you in the back seat of that car, before they ask you to have a breathalyzer, they're supposed to um, let you sit there for 20 minutes. Okay, that 20 minutes is to make sure that the Anything that you have has enough time to get in your system. So uh, if I just finished my beer and blew into something, I'm going to test a lot higher. And, and that can be unnatural. So you want to give it time to metabolize. So they're going to put you in the back of their squad car for 20 minutes. Well, that 13th beer hit them at that point? Absolutely. <laughs> yeah, but here's, okay. here's the key is... The whole time you're in the back, that 20 minutes when they're waiting to breathalyze you, there's a camera rolling on you. And and God help you if you go through the four stages of drunk grief, which is, you know, I, I am sorry. This is never going to happen. Hey, I want to be your friend, officer. We could be cool uh, to crying 
and then to just dog cussing them. I mean, you're going to go through those four emotions oh at the back. I'm so sorry, officer. You know, you and I could be, we, we could be cool friends. Can you just let me out of this one? And then it's more crying, and then it's, well, let me tell you what I think of your mom, officer. All that is on oh my gosh. film and is going to be used against you in a courtroom. Can you change okay. the order of those, or is that the way it, it should go? It, it, <laughs> they should show that I, on TV. You can I, I, change the order, but generally, that's the way it goes. First of all, your mother, you... No, you don't you start, start with crying. the mother. You, I love you your gotta, mother, really. The mother's the closer. We close <laughs> yeah. with mom. The closer. The, go out strong, man. Just go out all the way. Yeah. Oh, my God. And then, mm. so where are we now? In prison or... Yeah, so now they're going to, so if, you, if, you, if you're a good boy or girl and you listen and you refuse to take any of the tests, then they're going to take you and they're going to try and get a judge to sign a warrant to allow them to draw your blood. Uh, and if that happens, they'll have some evidence against you um, to show what your blood alcohol level is. So how much time has transpired from the stop to the refusal to blow? Well, there you're getting uh, the blood order from the judge after you've sat 20 minutes to get your act together and you haven't called anybody's mother out. It's going to depend on what time of day it is. It's going to depend on what judge is on duty. It's going to it's going to depend upon a couple of things. That's why you're going to fight, not be combative, but you're going to Do they to call a judge refuse. and say, do we have your approval? There's a judge on call generally. Hmm. Um so depending upon the officer and his common sense and his his anger at life, um, he tells the judge what he's in the in the midst of with with the person. They the judge says, they uh, think go that for there's pro- they the judge says whether or not there's probable cause. If there is probable cause, then they uh, they have a nurse stick a needle in or an EMT stick a needle in, draw the blood. Then they send that off at to the scene. lab at the scene. Yeah. Well, back at the station generally when you're in custody okay. or or if they send out an ambulance. There. Okay, so let's uh, uh, divert for a moment. Uh, considering uh, that if you have a pistol laying in the passenger seat or in the back seat, that really uh, is not an issue. Mississippi, Tennessee, I guess Arkansas is. I'm I'm not sure. Uh, but if you're addled with a gun in the car, and it's obvious, and you haven't tried to hide it. How does that complicate the issue, or does it? If if you're stone cold sober with a gun laying there, not a problem. Although that seemed like it would make somebody nervous. But if you're uh, messed up on something with a Glock in your passenger seat, where does this go? Well, if if you're if you're driving around drunk with a gun in your car, that's not a good look. Um, no. no. <laughs> That's not a good look. If you're let's let's handle it. Just if you're stone cold sober. If you're stone cold sober, you you got nothing to worry about. What I always do uh, on stops is I'll I'll tell the officer um, how many guns I have in the car or on me and where they're located. Uh, right. One of their first questions. It's you know, hey, I've got I've got one on me and one in the uh, uh, glove box and two in the trunk or. And a Gatling Are gun the ones the in the glove box the considered to be concealed, <laughs> and is that bad? If they're yeah. in some part of your car that's concealed, that's not open. That, or that's obvious. not open or obvious. But you can have it there for transport reasons if it's unlocked uh, or not unlocked, unloaded. Unloaded. 
Okay. And and the ammunition is separate, so don't have your ammo in, in your clip. So um, put the clip someplace else, but if it's an empty Glock and you're well, it's in your all, console, you're okay. If I have to, if I'm transporting one from my place to the range, then and it's not my, my standard carry, I, I've got my case, which separates everything out. If it's four in the morning, you aren't headed to the range. That's true. And so... <laughs> Okay. Yeah, but if you get pulled over and you've you've got a gun laying out, you should be fine if you're stone cold sober. Um, that doesn't make them nervous because you've been okay it, and been smart so far. Well, I, I I let them know where it is, um, and my my hands are up there. The officer sees the weapon there. I mean, it's you know, I'm not going for anything. What do you want me to do? All right. So, um, so that pretty much is the tutorial in what to do, what not to do. It, if you're not, you know, if you're not trying to hide anything, if if you're drinking and driving, first of all, you're an idiot. Uh, but you know, but for the grace of God, there goes some of us. Uh, so I, if that happens to you, don't don't give them more evidence to use against you. That's, and so, where does it get really stupid if you've got? I don't know. People carry their Coke, I guess, in their pocket uh, or in the purse or something. And what kind of cause is required at that point? If if you're all, you know, jittery and sweaty and stuff, uh, which is you're already kind of nervous anyway. So beyond being drunk, where do, do drugs enter well, probable, into this? So probable causes, you know, it, it's based upon, it's like pornography, I, I can't describe it but i can tell you when i see it um it's <laughs> it, well that's, you know that's how the supreme court is, has described it in the past but as far as probable cause goes if i'm an officer that has familiarity with what tweakers and cokeheads look like and they're exhibiting some signs i may have teeth, what teeth I, they have yeah yeah i may have some probable cause to to think something but you have to think that a crime is being committed, or is about to be committed. Um, you got to have you got to have some belief in that. Um, that's why these you know the city recently stopped pretextual stops, mm-hmm. um, and and that Tail generally out. yeah yeah that generally was the probable cause that officers would use to stop a lot of these vehicles. Mm-hmm. Um, so we're trying to get away from that and show, hey, you need a little bit more. Um, All right. But, well, I think we have pretty depend. much covered that. All right. Well, uh, and there is an entire podcast on that, on the Fourth Amendment, on DrakeHallMemphis.com uh, and all the podcasts. The most recent one uh, is about marijuana and what is basically in there real quick. Yeah, so uh, we we look at the big questions people have is how can this be legal nationwide or, you know, in our state, but not in Tennessee, how can it be legal in Arkansas medicinally? How can it be illegal federally everywhere? So we kind of talk about that for a little bit. Then we also talk about what, what you can expect if, uh, if the popo, if the five O I'm see all this cool hip lingo I can use. If the police call you, pull you over in memphis what's going to happen if you've got a, a vape pen or a joint or, or something like that versus what's going to happen if you get pulled over in arkansas versus what happens if you get pulled over in desoto county 
I'll, mm-hmm. I'll cut to the chase and tell you out of those three options, the place you do not want to get caught with weed is DeSoto County. Um, pull over at the state line, take your pipe, whatever, and put it right under the sign and come back. Why do you say that? Pick it up that? on your way back out. Uh, the, uh, because it, it has become um, a, known, a known factor uh, among some of the criminals that uh, are involved in chases from Shelby County. Uh, there was, um, there have been some that are pretty famous over the past six months, uh, but it seems to be a pretty well-known fact among the, you know, criminals among us that, uh, that to chase or to, uh, to, to head down here when you've done something wrong, or if you're down here and doing something wrong, it's a real bad move. And these officers down here do not play they are incredibly present and I can see you know two or three cars on a jaunt to the grocery store uh, the county and city and the word is around that you don't mess with these dudes because if you're leaving uh, Shelby County and there are only three places to get off um, there's the one there at State Line Road there's Church Road uh, but there th- those guys I have witnessed and was ahead of a chase that was behind me and got off at State Line Road, and there are five five squad cars, lights on, all the guys outside their cars, looking grim and excited and waiting. And uh, in fact, that's where that guy went nuts last year uh, and shot up yeah. stuff all around Memphis and ended up down here. And oh, that's, that's right. where he made his mistake. And he stopped at that gas station on State Line Road. And then ended up over on uh, Shelby Drive someplace. And coming down here is, um, the word is out. Why do you say, as far as the weed goes, to lose it in DeSoto County? Well, it's, so the, if, if, if you're in Arkansas and you pulled over, you're, you're going to, you're going to pay a fine. Uh, so if you get pulled over with six grams over in Arkansas, you're going to pay a hefty little fine. If you get pulled over here in, uh, Shelby County, they're, they're going to, uh, make a strong face at you and tell, tell you you should not do that anymore. Um, if you get pulled over with the same amount in DeSoto County, you're looking at up to two, two years in prison. Uh, and it's 2023. Is my calendar right? It, it's Everyone just, stay home. But here's the, here's the deal. It, if you look at it, it's legal medicinally in Arkansas and Mississippi. Right. And they have these stronger things than we have here in Shelby County, uh, where it's not legal on any level here in Shelby County. Um, uh, it, it's just... As usual, it all, it, it all makes sense. Okay. Um, let, we have two questions uh, to get to. I want to get to this, though, just for a second. Because uh, we do this, uh, it seems like every week, and we talk in circles, and there really is no no answer, no resolution to any of it. Uh, last week, this was first in the news, and the City Council of Memphis has met since then uh, to take decisive action, it says, against gun violence. A story here from Channel 5. Uh, the change proposed by uh, Jeff Warren of the Council uh, is an attempt to do something in a helpless situation where all of us feel unsafe, uh, nobody feels safe, the government can't do much about it, uh, although Jeff Warren and the city council uh, 
have gone into this exercise uh, the Tennessee home rule which would allow uh, um, this this change would be made under that home rule which allows a city to adopt and change its own charter of rules without the state government affecting that change now keep that in mind they're proposing this that you that to uh, that it requires a valid handgun permit for anybody looking to carry a handgun in the city right now that is not in effect requires a valid permit for anybody looking to carry store or travel with a handgun in a car in the city the commercial sale of assault rifles would also be prohibited within memphis not applying to federal state or local law agencies or the military uh the sponsors of this resolution it'll it is the first step in in, uh, in 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 ensuring people's safety across the city. Once again, a compassionate uh, look at making life safer for all of us. Dr. Warren says we'll probably end up in court with this because of the state government. They're not doing their job of protecting citizens. Blah blah blah. If it's if it's approved, as we discussed last week with the council. The next step would require it, the, this to be uh, voted on in the election of uh, next year. If the vote passes, it would go into effect on June 25th, uh, in, in the first part of, uh, of uh, 2025. So, what would the, bill, what would the said, bill do? It would, it would just say that you couldn't own certain You certain would have rockets. to have a handgun permit to carry, a handgun permit to carry, store, or travel. And assault rifles would not, you can't, you couldn't buy one in the city. Okay, so then I went on to search engines to look up various things. And uh, in Tennessee, it's pretty much, it's the wild, wild west times two. There's no law against anything. Um, uh, and that's in Tennessee. So I googled, can a city have gun laws that differ from their state's gun laws? And here's what pops up. Uh, some states have state preemption for some or all gun laws, which means that only the state can legally regulate the firearms. In other states, the governments can pass their own gun laws more restrictive than those of the state. Then you go down uh, and it, the question is, does state law preempt local law? The answer there is that preemption refers to laws at one level of government taking precedence over laws of a lower level. As, uh, as such, no entity at the lower level can pass a law that allows action that would violate the higher level law. A federal law takes precedence over state and local law, and state law takes precedence over local law. What I take away from that is, again, this, this is an exercise in headline making an honest attempt to do the right thing that is going to go either to a court or be dismissed entirely because of what i just read off of what the laws on the books already say what say you i agree with everything you've said except i would add it's a waste of taxpayer money if that's what if i'm you saying want, is if you there, want to effectuate just, if you want yeah. to effectuate change what the council needs to do I, in my opinion, is lobby Nashville to to promulgate a rule that they can work with or agree on. But wasting our time, our money, our tax dollars, you're right. It's just a headline grab. 
it's uh, this is, and, and I went in search of these answers and there they are in black and white this is not TikTok. this is something that is about the law and the state law uh, will, will will always uh, supersede local law so this, even if this the, were to be passed it wouldn't make any difference well and and even then so let's go up to the state level state law for some on some magical day rainbows and butterflies and unicorns are happy and nashville can agree upon some law and they they promulgate it and put it out there you then have to struggle with the question of does the new tennessee law infringe upon the federal rule of law that says the right of the people to keep and bear arms shall not be infringed upon so even if the state does that they still have to is our law compliant with the federal law are we infringing upon someone's rights so this whole thing is a waste of time and and money yes okay well so why hasn't somebody uh, brought that up in the news world and said uh, Dr. Warren, uh, this is a a nice try, but you're wasting time and money on. You you can't change what well, the law already says, but like you say, the alternative well, the simple, is, to, is is to lobby Nashville to do what to change the law in Memphis or the whole state. This is a pissing contest that nobody's going to win in the whole state. The reason you haven't haven't heard it is because if you noticed. We, we covered this topic in about five minutes. And, and as far as it's not too complex, you can't sell ad time for that. You can't create a ruckus and you can't get headlines over that. I mean, it's, it's a simple answer, but people are genuinely, what, what the excuse every council or anybody's going to use is that first law that you read. Um, Saying saying that the city council can try and make rules that that do X Y Z, um, they're going to say we're making a good faith effort to try and do this. Just good like when being the operative yeah, phrase, just like when Texas when Texas would make um, you know laws about immigration or laws about abortion or when Florida made made regulations that were too broad and, and got national headlines, the Supreme Court struck them all down. Yeah. So, you, 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 you know, there's one thing for grandstanding, but wasting the taxpayer money to grandstand when you know that it's fruitless is just... That's the... Uh, it just uh, aggravates me. Yeah, it, and it, it happens way too much. And uh, what Bill said, what, uh, what it says here is um, no entity at the lower level can pass a law that allows action that would violate the higher level law. That's all anybody needs to know. So to spend time at the city council where they could accomplish, I don't know, maybe something uh, that's good for everybody uh, that would pass and uh, this isn't it. And it is, it's just a um, waste of time. But uh, a nice effort, uh, but it doesn't do anything. And uh, I have no idea. The other part about John Morant is a story for a different time. I want to, uh, at some point, read, though, um, an editorial piece about him and about the gun culture in America, which is um, pretty jarring and very true. 
we live in a in a in 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 a in a country with that has you know gun fever and everybody's got it and um, these young people just don't seem to understand that, that this gun culture isn't cute when you flaunt it like he apparently has done I still can't find an answer anywhere any place as well, to this video uh, if it happened before the other incident or at the same time or if he was dumb enough to do it again after being contrite and missing eight games and that's it uh, I can't find any answer on that do you know any inside poo poo on that I know nothing on that well what yeah. I what I will say is what, what I don't get about gun culture and, and everything you're talking about is I do my, I mean, obviously, if you know me or if you've heard this program, you know that I, I have a concealed carry permit. You know that I carry a weapon. But outside of that, I don't open carry. I don't flaunt it. I do no. my best to hide it. Yep. Um, because if if I'm out someplace and I would need to defend myself, or if I'm a bad guy and I go into some place, the first people I'm taking out are the people with guns. <laughs> yeah. I, yeah. I mean... These are the these are the troublemakers. Let's carve yep. them out first. Yep. So I don't understand why you would flaunt carrying a weapon. That that to me seems like a bad defensive move. Well, um, it is inspired by alcohol or something. Uh, uh, there are some parts of this that I'll just read to you real quick. That John Morant uh, ha he he has a gun fetish. He displays this fetish by brandishing his gun on social media. This makes him the same as some other athletes, ordinary citizens, and members of Congress. Forget basketball. John Moran's focus needs to be on his life, not his fame. He's a high-profile version of, of this whole thing. But in, in this country, there are 400 million guns. We are a gunistan. One nation under guns, invisible from our ammo, with liberty and justice for our weapons. And we love to pose with our guns, take pictures with them like they are our, you know, family. There are thousands, if not a whole lot more, of those who do that on social media all the time. Uh, it is grotesque uh, and has something to do with self-defense. Then he mentions all the other athletes uh, that have posed with their guns. And then the list of the politicians who have posed with guns for their Christmas cards, and so on and so forth. They're flaunting their guns, their politicians, their important people, their athletes, and everybody seems to have gun-itis. Um, and this goes on and on and on. This Republican uh, Andrew Clyde of Georgia was handing out lapel pins shaped like uh, uh, the assault rifles of the day, and he was heading him out to all of his friends on the floor in Georgia, reminding them about the Second Amendment and blah, blah, blah. Uh, but the author of this piece is just uh, kind of underscoring the fact that uh, the jaw was raised in a culture where popular people posing with guns is not that big of a deal. And But here he is. He's the big name now, it says, the headline grabber, and that's totally fair. It's also right that he's catching heat. He's not alone, though. Far from it. He is why, typical. Why is Typically it okay American, it says. 
Why is it okay that he's catching heat, though? Uh, it's uh, I, I because mean, he I... was drunk in a bar, for one thing. That was the first one. Um, and it's, it is against everything in his contract as a player in the NBA. Yeah. Um, yeah. That's okay. part of it. And you can't drive around with your friends drunk a second time uh, with a gun and you're, it's, you're out the car window waving it around. That seems to be the new thing among the young thugs that are out in their cars, you know, burning rubber and, you know, flashing guns. And now John Morant does it. Um, but politicians can pose with their AR on their Christmas card. And the wife's holding one, and so are the kids. Huh. It's all right, by God. But John Morant, who signed contracts about that are about cause, which you can and can't do, now he's facing, uh, you know, goodness knows what. But uh, the culture is not going to change. And the city council is not going to change anybody's mind about anything. But enough about that. There are I, questions, 878-9420 for our lawyer bill. Ask them. Yeah, I, I, but I just feel like really quick, he's not gun culture. He's suburbs. And he. the video they showed on the news was for a half a second in the car, not waving it out of the window or whatever. Who knows? though if they were drinking or doing anything it's still all wrong but no one said a word together, about dude. that and just there's no together, the, this video is is nowhere to be seen nobody can confirm what it was no, there's no news story about it no video anywhere it's still entirely speculation but who knows what are the questions for bill Back to the weed. Connie says that she heard your podcast on the weed, and she says, how on earth are these CBD stores that are all over Memphis and in the suburbs selling Delta 8 and Delta 9? They are like full-blown weed stores, cookies, candy, bud, you name it. I just don't understand how it's legal. Not complaining, but also, can you get in trouble for possessing what they sell? What I've heard is that that stuff is as strong as the best pot you can buy. I don't know for a fact, but I've heard it's it's intense yeah so and we, legal. Looked, we looked it up it's legal um i i don't know how they do it i i don't get it now look it's legal on the state level uh part of the reason that the federal government's been hands off is because states have been handling their business uh with the rise of this which is new again the laws slow to catch up that's what we always see I think the federal government within the next five or ten years is going to do some mandate and, and you'll clean that out. Because, yeah, there's a store down next to me in South Haven where you walk in and it's flowered, hand-rolled like uh, uh, joints with a little filter on the end that it says it's it's a Delta thing. Um, huh. it, it's wow. an, it's insanity. So I, I, I don't get how they're, they're, they're not doing it legally federally right now that's the point but on the state level they're letting them get away with it because it's raising revenue tax dollars well, are floating in all i've heard from people that um that discuss this stuff is that that uh, that delta eight and nine is some powerful stuff and to be really careful but there's no warning label on that and so kids can buy it and just get high as a kite so i i don't know i say bring back bath salts that was more fun <laughs> I, I was of the I was of the Zima age. It was actually Bartle oh, and nasty. James was the first alcohol that I talked an adult into going into a store and buying for me. I'm I have to admit, James. 
I have to admit that I had that I bought Zima, and I am so ashamed of that era. But anyway, everybody did. Uh, what else, Sid? All right, this one is a sad one. Uh, this person oh, says good. I have I have stage two uh, B pancreatic cancer. It's been a year, mm-hmm. chemo, surgery, radiation, etc. I'm still trying to work full time to keep my insurance. I am eligible for Social Security disability in Mississippi. I must quit my job and wait four to six months for approval. I would have no insurance for that time. Do you have any suggestions for me? I'd like to work until I just can't anymore, but it seems as if I'm being forced to quit and with no insurance and no treatment. I would talk about, um, I would talk about to them about the FMLA, the Family Medical Leave Act, uh, and see how long you can get out of that. If you're going to try and work right up to end of life and entering hospice, um, that, that may be, that may be where I go is, uh, work until you can't work. I'm sure that it's not going to be a, a, a definite end point. I'm sure that, you know, there'll be a week or two that, that you're, you're hurting, a week or two that you're not. Um, and if, if working's how you want to do it, that's fine. If it's the insurance coverage you need, I would tell you let's get you with an attorney in Mississippi that specializes in this because if, if you're at the end, the last thing you're going to want to do is, is worry about working right up until the end. Uh, you know, uh, on an, an interesting um, side note to that, there's somebody in my family uh, who's been fighting cancer for over seven years. And this person uh, worked at the same place uh, for uh, almost the entirety of that seven years. And she kept asking and wondering why they wouldn't put her on salary. So she could have insurance. She didn't need it because her husband has it. And they kept her on an hourly rate the entire time she was there. And she went through chemo and uh, was sick a lot and had to miss work a lot. And a little over a year ago, uh, they unceremoniously fired her with no severance, with no nothing. Because I guess they thought she would keep on, you know, missing work. And they told her that she should just, uh, you know, walk away um, with some class and just be done with it. She got nothing uh, after seven, almost eight years of working for them. And insurance wasn't an issue because she never had it. And I guess she had no grounds to do anything. But um, if you're in that position where you have a job and insurance, uh, that one, I guess it depends upon... The, the compassion of your employer. I don't know how to answer that, but I saw her go through that and yeah. it was maddening and just rude and awful. But every case is different, you know? Insurance, I mean, look, insurance is, it's brutal. Um, it just is. The cost of health care is, is almost, or it's more insane than the cost of legal fees. Uh, and and, and <laughs> yeah. legal fees are nuts. Um, well, but, but we man, need I, lawyers, and that's why we, we have you on here to discuss the insanity of all this. And sometimes we find answers and help, and sometimes we just beat our head against the wall because there are no answers. So, yeah. But at least we can discuss it openly and maybe, maybe help somebody find some kind of an answer. Um, I suppose that is enough for this time. Uh, did, did Wes pass out during this, or is he still there? I'm still here. Okay. <laughs> he's... he's He's playing some kind of video game, probably. All right, Bill. uh, What 
Well, let me just ask Bill, since you said he, you, uh, this, they should find somebody in Mississippi, to, would you know anybody or, so, or a website for them to go to? Uh, no, again, I would tell them to go to the avvo, A-V-V-O dot com or just do a Google search of attorneys in your area. That What kind of attorney? You're going to yeah. be looking for Social Security Disability. Um, somebody that, that can help you figure out how much time you could get under FMLA. Somebody oh, that okay. can figure out how to help you yeah. get um, get that state insurance if you... Disability. Yeah. yeah. That I, I, in, in the story that I just told, I know that uh, that's the route that they went. And it didn't take much time at all to get some help financially. So... It yeah. can be done. Just find the right attorney and the right person to talk to, and they'll take care of it. If you're well, this was in uh, Tennessee. I don't know how it works down here, but um, it's the same in Mississippi. Look, that's that's uh, part of it is finding an attorney in the right field that knows it. And I wish I had a, a referral for you down there, but I don't. But um, they, in fact, in uh, my story case, they just called the office. Um and talk to somebody about disability and they got it worked out over the phone without an attorney. So yeah. I don't know if you can maybe circumvent, you know, paying a lawyer and Absolutely. just talk to the, to the try government. That at first. Uh, Absolutely. No offense to, first. you know, paying, no. you know, paying lawyers, but, um, it might be worth a try just to call the government office that you, you know, around where you live and try that first. So, all right, pretty upbeat. Uh, Bill, thank you for your time. Uh, you have a long day, I'm sure, uh, again tomorrow. So good luck with all the crazy people out there. And uh, once again, I give us your info for contact. Yeah, so if you, hey, if you want one of the keychains that we've talked about. I'd <laughs> love to have one. Yeah. Then I'll, 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 I'll bring you guys I'll bring you guys some. But if you, if you want one, seriously, drop us a line. We'll, we'll leave one, one for you at the front desk. That's, um, that's a great, great thing. You can get us online at LawyerBill.com. That's also our Twitter and our Facebook handle. You can call us at the office at 761-5353. Get a picture of that keychain and send it to Sid. Yeah. And we'll put it up you got on it. our Facebook page. All right? Okay. All right, man. Thank you, <laughs> Bill. Guys. No problem. All right. There you go. That uh, That's enough for this time. We'll carry on now with some music on this week's Between the Grooves. And in case you haven't heard it yet, it is... Songs based in the piano, the intro, the body of the song, 15, 16 songs of various kinds, and you can enjoy them now on Drake Digital. <laughs> 